It's episode 13 here on the Sided Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Cameron Ezer here, and people might call it unlucky number 13, but I'm going to say we're going to make our own luck of it and bring on not just one guest, but two guests. We know Jacob Polachek. We know you already. We're bringing on a new guest here on the Sided Podcast. It's Jack Pilgrim. Jack, how's it going? Introduce yourself. Oh, I'm doing great. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I'm with Kentucky Sports Radio. I am the uh, lead Kentucky basketball beat writer, cover, you know, recruiting stuff that's going on behind the scenes uh, inside the program, you know, just kind of day-to-day operations at, at you know, in, in Lexington and uh, have a lot of fun doing it. I got started right after college and uh, three years into it, I'm having a good time with it. So you know your Wildcats, we know our debating, we're going to try to mold you into that debater that we know you can be here on the Sided podcast. Again, this is episode 13. Go to our website, Sided.co, as well as our app, Sided Debates. Make an account, post a poll, a debate, join the conversation. Your topic could be discussed on this podcast. And this is a very special podcast, not just because it's number 13, but because we have Jack on, we're just going to cover all college basketball. He knows his Kentucky. We know that Jacob Polachek knows his high school recruiting and his college basketball. I think I know a bit about high school or high school and college basketball and the recruits and, and all the players in, in that realm. So I'm going to you know give it my best shot too. But either way, we're going to get in debate get into debating you ready guys absolutely let's do it let's go decided let's go decided college basketball for all six debates here on episode 13 of the Sided podcast this first one has to do with Kentucky so Jack I know you're smiling on this which Kentucky newcomer are you most excited to watch this season the options Ty Ty Washington Damian Collins Bryce Hopkins Oscar Toshibwe and Kellen Grady or other out of those six options Jack I'm going to start with you who are you giving me I mean, you got to start with Ty Ty Washington. He was kind of a late uh, addition. I think going into the month of May, UK had zero point guards signed onto the roster. And then within the span of two or three weeks, uh, they added uh, Ty Ty Washington and then Xavier Wheeler transfer out of Georgia. Uh, Ty Ty is a knockdown shooter. You talk to people inside the program right now. He's turning heads uh, just in terms of, you know, knockdown ability, his leadership ability, the way, you know, he's a floor general, the way he kind of runs the floor. Uh, he, he's really turning heads right now. And I think, uh, you look at a guy like Emmanuel quickly. I think that's a pretty strong comparison with him just in terms of uh, just pure shooting ability and, and kind of being able to separate uh, his game as, as a leader. I, I'm a big, big fan of Ty Ty Washington's game. Yeah, I, I like Ty Ty and I like uh, a lot of these freshmen coming in. But if I'm looking at newcomers, I'm going to go with Oscar Shibwe. Uh Ty Ty, I think, is going to be a great player. But as a freshman, you can never really know what to expect. Um, coming in so Shibway has experience played two years one and a half years at West Virginia started 31 games for them as a freshman so I think he's going to come in and be an instant impact guy and should be a, a quality player from day one yeah, I disagree with both of you. I think I have to go with Kellen Grady. And I said that my knowledge on these college basketball players might not be as high, but this is a guy in his last four years at Davidson that averaged 18, 17, 17, and 17. And if you're the Kentucky Wildcats, what do you need? You need some offensive energy. You need some scoring. So I'm going to go with the grad transfer only because he has the most experience out of those guys. And on top of that, he can provide a scoring threat for John Calipari and company, something 
thing that the Wildcats really struggled with early on in the season, which I, I played them later on when, you know, it looked like their record was already deep in the depth. So I'm going to go Kellen Grady on this one. Again, go on sided, uh, the account sided college basketball and give your opinion on what you think. We gave three different players. So if you agree with us, you agree with our points, then vote for ours. Make us the majority. We're going to go to topic number two. We're going to stay with Kentucky. We're going to stay with sided college basketball. Which Kentucky returnee will have the biggest impact this season? We're not talking about newcomers anymore. You see the names up on your screen. Now, Jacob, I'm going to start with you on this one. Kentucky, they need a lot, whether it be from the returners or from the newcomers. But you go to the returners, who are you going with that's going to make the biggest impact coming back to Kentucky with two minutes on the clock? Yeah, this might come as a surprise, but I'm going with Lance Ware. I know... He only averaged a couple points a game last year, three rebounds, but he was a top 50 recruit coming out of high school. And I think he's going to get a lot more playing time this year. And in an expanded role, I see him being a really high impact player. I know you got Dante Allen, you got Keon Brooks, two really great players. Uh, but I, I think that Lance Ware is going to surprise a lot of people this season. I can't believe you're allowing me to have Keon Brooks. I I, I was fully preparing to kind of uh, come up with a different answer, but if you're gonna if you're gonna gift me with something like this, I'm certainly gonna take it. Keon Brooks is, uh, you know, he's a guy that he struggled with injuries early last season, and when he came on, a lot of people thought he was gonna be a slow. Uh, kind of methodical situation that they'd, ha they'd have to take their time with it. You're going to have to be patient with him. Uh, he came out right away, uh, had an amazing performance in his first game back. And, and, you know, he struggled with inconsistency a lot, but in terms of highest ceiling out of anybody on, uh, on the roster in terms of returning talent. I think it's hard to pass up a guy that could give you 20 and 10 any given night. Um, there's a lot of expectation that he could be that kind of P.J. Washington, make that P.J. Washington level jump from year one to year two. Uh, the injury has kind of happened and, and it kind of set him back quite a bit. But there's a lot of expectation kind of within the program that year two to year three could be that same P.J. Washington freshman to sophomore jump that we saw uh, where P.J. was one of the most dominant players in college basketball. And, and I think that's uh, kind of a growing expectation with Keon right now now is that he's just so uh you know his kind of inside out game is versatility he's able to go out to the three knockdown shots his athleticism he's going to be able to jump all over you uh dunk dunk in your face uh you post moves i mean you name it he can do it and uh there's just a lot of high hopes this season for uh, a, a breakout campaign for for keon now, Jack, you talked about gift wrapping. I mean, the fact that you both gifted me with the best pick and white elephant, it almost looks like, because you left Jacob Toppin on the board. And yes, Jacob Toppin didn't have the best you know, season last year, only averaged about five points, and his minutes were up. And that's where I see the opportunity for Toppin to take advantage, because the athleticism is there. You just got to see that whole complete package put together. And I think Toppin does it this season and for a Kentucky team that needs guys with athleticism they need a quick start we've seen what his brother Obi Toppin can do I think that Jacob Toppin can mirror what Obi does and it's all about finding that opportunity finding the minutes where he can step in and take advantage I think Jacob Toppin becomes the best returnee surprises everyone I think Keon Brooks is a really really good player Jacob I don't have as much
much confidence in Lance Ware, but I think that Jacob Toppin surprises everyone this next season and puts Kentucky in a position where we're used to seeing them. Now let's go to the third topic. This one just about college basketball as a whole. Which unsigned elite college basketball recruit would you be most excited to see join your program? The options are Monty Bates, Jalen Duran, Chris Livingston, Adam Bona, and Jarris Walker. And then there's an other option if you want to pull someone out of a hat and throw someone out there. I'm going to start with you on this one, Jack. Who are you giving me for, you know, the guy that if he joined your program, that would put a big smile on your face? You're, you're asking who would be the most college-ready player out of that group. Why not get the most NBA-ready player out of that group? And that is Jalen Duran. You look at him and it looks like he was built in a factory, six foot ten, two hundred thirty pounds, maybe even two thirty-five, two forty. Uh, I mean, just absolutely NBA-ready body. His physicality, his aggressiveness, uh, just the way the way he's kind of turned his game from just pure brute strength just pure takeover to you know adding uh, you know outside shot adding more polish to his in inside game um his post moves are, are are growing by the day he's really trying to uh, become just one of the most versatile bigs in in high school basketball. Certainly, when when he does take this next step, there's a lot of rumors right now that he's going to reclassify and and he'll make that next step immediately, play college basketball right away. And I know there's a bunch of pro options that are that are on him as well. But uh, if if you're going to give me a a question about who's the most college ready player and who's going to be the most instant impact type guy at the next level, you got to go with the guy that just already looks apart in Jalen Duran. I think he's going to be a, a a phenomenal college basketball player. Whoever ends up landing him. Yeah, I, I like Jalen Duran. I, I think that obviously he's had a great summer and at that Pangos camp, he was probably the best player out there. But I'm going with a guy that I think has maximum potential, Chris Livingston. And I think that when you look at him at 6'6", he can play the two, he can play the three, and in some cases he can play the four. And I was talking to his AAU coach this is a guy that's coached Marvin Bagley, Darius Garland, Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson, all those guys. And he said he has a chance to be the best player that he's ever coached. Livingston has physical, just raw athletic skills through the roof. And I think that he's going to be the best player from this 2022 class. Now, Jack, I'm going close to home with you because this is actually Duran's teammate on that AAU circuit in Amani Bates. I have to go with Bates. This is a guy that has been ranked in that number one spot for the longest time that I can imagine. And Jacob, you talk about 6'6 with plenty of potential. Let me hand you 6'9 with the potential that's already on the floor. Amani Bates has shown that he can, you know, use what all the eyes that are on him and use that to his advantage. It doesn't matter what personnel is put on him. It doesn't matter what expectation is put on Bates. Amani Bates is by far the best player in his class. He's showing it every single day. I think that the, the biggest caveat with Amani Bates is the fact that he's a guy that will most likely go a G League night route or a separate route that isn't college basketball. Because Jack, you talk about NBA ready. This guy is someone who believes he's been NBA ready since he was in ninth and 10th grade. So I think that Bates dodges the college basketball side of things. But if he does choose to go to college basketball, I know everything with Michigan State that happened where he decommitted. But if he chooses to go into college basketball, and I was at a school and supporting a team, and Amani Bates 
committed, I would throw a parade in the streets that day. No question. Shut down the campus. Give us a day off. Give me Imani Bates in that position. I think he's the best player in his class, and he can prove that because the expectation is already on him, so nothing is too big for Imani Bates. Now let's go to topic number four. We're going to put two minutes on the clock. This one, I, I talked about, you know, putting a smile on my face and the parades on campuses, but a lot of the times it's about packing the house, packing the stadium. And that's why guys go to certain schools because they love to see the plethora of fans that can, you know, shove themselves into a stadium and cheer as loud as possible. So that bodes the question, Jacob, which is the best college basketball arena? And this hits close to home too us three, because these are actually our three schools in Allen Fieldhouse for Kansas, for Jacob, Rupp Arena, that's Jack, that's your wheelhouse. And then the Carrier Dome at Syracuse for me, or we could go other, we could surprise everyone and go other. But with two minutes on the clock, Jacob, I think I know where you're going, but where are you going? Yeah, I'm not going other. I'm going with Allen Fieldhouse. It's, I to be fair, I've only been to Rupp. I have not been to the Carrier Dome, but I've been to Allen Fieldhouse a lot. And there's nothing like it. All right. The first off, Kansas has won over 70% of their games there with some insane winning streaks, over 30 games, over 50 games twice. And so the Allen Fieldhouse, you pack that place. It is a close, tight-knit arena, and that place gets insanely loud. I'm going with Allen Fieldhouse, the best arena in college sports. Now, I will say I, I do agree on a general night-to-night basis. I would probably side with you with, with Allen Fieldhouse, to be totally honest. Uh, I think that there are times that Rupp Arena is slightly overrated just in terms of uh, there's, you know, it's a, uh, a crowd of people that have been, been there for 50 years that they've had, the, they've had season tickets for 50, 60 years. They're not the most ruckus bunch in the world at times. And if you get an Ole Miss on Tuesday night at 930, Rupp Arena is not going to be as, as popping as, as, a, as, an Allen Fieldhouse, as an Allen Fieldhouse. But I will say, at its absolute best, if you get a Kansas in the door, if you get a North Carolina in the door, if you get a uh, UCLA, Duke, whoever you, whoever you can pick, if you, any high-profile matchup when when they come to Rupp Arena, there is no doubt in my mind that it's without a doubt the best the best venue in college basketball. Uh, it's, it's shattered Guinness Book of World Record numbers in terms of uh, mo, you know loudest uh, screams and and the the atmosphere at its peak is is historic. It's I mean it's historic Rupp Arena. It's it's a uh, you know I'd argue the the most historic venue in, in all of college basketball. I do I I would absolutely put Allen Fieldhouse right there in in the top two but it's not it's not number one you guys are selling the carrier dome short and i understand it's a it's a dome and it's made for football and they really only use half of it or a third of it i think the first time i went on campus i was confused because i'm like how does this how is this possible and then you walk in and you see two-thirds of a football field almost leaking out of the bleachers that they you know install right before a basketball game but I have to go with the carrier dome because I'm going to take two points from both your arguments Jacob you said nothing like it I mean find me another stadium that's like the carrier dome with just the just the uniqueness of it and how it is constructed because the basketball court 
isn't even there and they somehow find a way to jam pack everyone in. And then Jack, you bring up, you know, the raucous crowds and it being loud. I mean, if you've been in the Carrier Dome, talk about loud because it's not just, you know, the Syracuse faithful and the people in that community, but then you pack in all the students as well. And with how unique that stadium is, and if you go in there and you see just, I don't even know the the pageantry of what the Carrier Dome holds. I think I have to go with the Dome and not just because I'm a big Syracuse guy, but I'd love to go to Allen Fieldhouse. I'd love to go to Rupp Arena, but I've been to the Carrier Dome and I've seen what the Carrier Dome offers and there's nothing like it in all of college sports. So I think- my only debate is they've held games at uh, on like battleships out at sea and like random like just because it's a unique venue doesn't mean that a football facility with like a makeshift basketball gym in there doesn't make just because it's the most unique doesn't make it necessarily better i mean you look at you know the uh, dallas cowboys football field they have basketball games there and it's this massive monstrosity of, of a field but does it make it the best venue? Sometimes it, you know, that's why, uh, you know, look at Duke, look at North Carolina. Sometimes the more intimate settings are more, uh, it's louder. It's, it's, it, it feels more, uh, more of an intimate thing. I feel like I've, I've personally never been there, but I, I just feel like when you're at a venue as big as that is, and you are in technically a football facility, I, I just feel like it would kind of take away the, uh, the intimacy of, of the greatness of uh, that is college basketball. Hey, we're getting we're getting AC next season, I think. So that'll make it. Wow, that'll, wow. that'll heighten that'll heighten the wow. chances of the carrier dome. Hey, I'm just trying <laughs> to support my school here. I think all three of us are doing the same. Let's move on to topic number five. We're staying with sided college basketball again. Our site sided.co, as well as our sided debates app. Make an account post your debates. It's a lot of fun. You get to have conversations online, whether it be, you know, agreeing or disagreeing with a bunch of random people on Sided. And the best part about it is it's a back and forth conversation. If you're curious about anything, if you want people to talk sports to, you can on Sided. On top of that, if you want to get on the Sided podcast, just like Jacob is most of the time and Jack is today, comment down below on our YouTube channel. If you're listening on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from, you can go to Sided and pretty much say I want to be on the sided podcast mark my words I've said it for you know uh, pretty much every episode at this point I will get you on the podcast if you want to be on the podcast I'm not getting sick of Jacob but I'm saying a couple new faces would be (laughs) a little nice okay topic number five with coach K retiring which coach would you rather have to lead your team and sided basketball sided college basketball tricky here because it just seems like, you know, they, they knew that the three of us were going to be on this podcast because the options are Bill Self, John Calipari, and Jim Beheim. So, Jack, I'm going to start with you. I think I have an idea of where you're going, but with two minutes on the clock, which one of those three uh, would you want to coach your program? Well, let me say, uh, let's get a guy with a might have a show cause coming soon with countless violations and and uh, horrible reputation right now in Bill Self or Jim Beheim, an old codger that's on his way out as well versus a, a, a fresh, new, always looking to, uh, you know, for the next big thing in college basketball, always looking for the betterment of, of his players and, and, and just w- wanting, wanting what's best for everybody around him. It's John Calipari. It's a guy that uh, he's a Hall of Famer. His, his record stands for itself. Um, he, he's always, he always has uh, his student athletes in his best interest and uh, always, always 
put pushing to have uh, you know their families at the end of the day uh, have food on the table and money in their pockets and and uh, you know find find the greatest success at the end of the day. John Calipari is a is a player first coach and uh, somebody that would easily uh, run any any program in need of a of a uh, of a coach. He he's the one. Yeah, I, I see where you're going. I, I like I like what Cal Perry does as a coach, and as as he leads that program, uh, it's hard to find a better recruiter out there. But if we're looking at which guy I'd rather have lead my team, I'm going with Bill Self. If you want a guy that's going to win you a Big Twelve a conference championship, Bill Self does it every single year, and he leads. He's led Kansas to three Final Fours. They won the NCAA tournament in 2008. I know they've lost one NCAA tournament against K- Kentucky, and they've mm-hmm. lost one against Syracuse, but he's led them there twice. He's led them to a championship, and if you want a coach that will pencil you in for a conference championship, I'm going with Bill Self. Now, Jack, I didn't have you on this podcast to disagree with you on every single topic, and I know this might come as a surprise, but I'm going John Calipari for the main part, for the main part that Jacob, actually, you proved my point for me. I was on the edge. I was teetering between Bill Self and John Calipari, because don't get me started with Jim Beheim. He's been playing a zone for so long that, I mean, I could get recruited. And you could play as like, come on, guys go to Syracuse mainly because you go on the defensive side and you don't have to play defense. It's infuriating. It's annoying. And he needs to stop play, playing his own. He needs to adapt to what college basketball is now. Because no offense, Jim Beheim, your hair is now gray. It's no longer that brown color when you won the national championship in 2003. I don't like Jim Beheim that much as a head coach. And I'm glad that in the next couple of years, he'll be gone because whether it be recruiting or whether it be his inability to adapt to the game as is, I'm not a big fan of Jim Beheim right now. Now I'm going with John Calipari because of the recruiting side of things. I've always been critical with Jim Beheim and his inability to recruit outside of the Northeast, but John Calipari, he's a guy that will grab your, you know, top five, top 10, at least a couple in that, you know, in that sector, those recruits. And as the game progresses and it gets harder and harder to land top guys, I think John Calipari at his age with his success is the guy that I would want at the helm. No, it's nothing against Bill Self. I think he's a great coach. I think that it's a toss-up between those two. But Jack, your points, you sold me. And then Jacob, you said recruiting, and I believe in you with recruiting. So I'm going Calipari. Now, final debate of the day, as we wind down episode 13 of the Sided Podcast, Cameron Ezer, Jacob Polachek, and Jack Pilgrim with you. And this one is about more college basketball, but on the player side of things. We're going to put one minute on the clock, but again, we all like to talk. We all like to give our our points uh, on this sided podcast. So talk for as long as you want, but it's the final debate of the day. Get your, you know, get your point out there short and concise. Which player has the higher ceiling? You got two options. So, I mean, unless one of us just completely disregard sided and, and throws out another name, we're going to pick one of these two. Brandon Boston Jr., BJ Boston, of course, or Isaiah Jackson. Jack, starting with you, final debate of the day, one minute on the clock, who you giving me? BJ Boston came in as a consensus top five uh, recruit out of high school with expectation, you know, an instant 20 point per game score type three level score. Uh, and he came in and he just kind of lost all ability to make shots. He was inconsistent all year long. 
um, just kind of really struggled against physicality, against size, against length. And uh, it really hurt him at the end of the day. And it really, I mean, he came in as a, as a projected top 10 draft pick and he sank all the way down to the bottom of the first round. Maybe some are even pushing him to the second round. When you look at a guy like BJ Boston, who has the work ethic that he does, um, that, that comes in with the pure natural ability that he did at Kentucky this past season, you got, you kind of have to forget about, you know, considering the, the adversities he had to overcome and, you know, COVID and, and, you know, being limited, you know, his, his whole workout regimen got pushed back. They weren't able to start, you know, full five on five scrimmages until August. Uh, they're usually starting, you know, early June. Uh, it, it, his whole schedule was set back and it feels like if he had a normal season, uh, a normal off season to work with a normal, um, you know, being able to, to go to the gym whenever he wants with whomever he wants. It felt, it feels like BJ Boston could have been the guy that he was, he was recruited to Kentucky to be, and that he was kind of praised to be uh, when he was, when he was originally signed. He didn't just lose his ability to play basketball in one year. He, he's, he just didn't forget, you know, he didn't get the yips in one day, just, you know, randomly forget how to play. He's going to be a very good basketball player. Um, I, you know, I think it's going to be a process, process with him. He needs to put on weight. He needs to continue with his, his consistency. And, uh, but, but he's still a three-level scorer at the, at the end of the day. And I do think that he has, uh, I don't want to say all-star potential, but he has a very firm starter quality in the NBA. And there's a, there's a whole lot of value there. So I, I, I feel like BJ Boston didn't get enough credit. He had, a, he had his rough year and he needs, he needs somebody in his corner to, to kind of back him up and, and, uh, and make sure he, he has the support that he's going into this year. So he, he has my vote. I'm going BJ Boston. Heading into this year, I would have said the same. I would have said BJ Boston, but, and it, BJ Boston, he struggled this year. Don't get me wrong. I agree with you there, but it wasn't even his struggles that sold me. It was Isaiah Jackson's emergence this season. You talked about BJ Boston, how his shooting he was a streaky shooter. The thing with Isaiah Jackson is you don't need him to be a great shooter because he does so much on defense and off the ball. So I was really sold by his game against KU. He had seven points, but he also had 12 rebounds and eight blocks. He, I think he has the highest ceiling just because of how much he can do on the defensive end and just how much he can do that's not scoring the ball. So I'm saying Isaiah Jackson has the highest potential and is going to be the better player in the NBA. I mean, Jacob, new episode, but still the wrong take. I mean, Jack, you hit it, the nail right on the head. I'm going with you. We're going BJ Boston in this situation. Boston, remi or Boston reminds me of the opposite of what Peyton Pritchard, Pat Connaughton, and Dante DiVincenzo did at their respective colleges, where they really needed to have a stellar season to get any looks in the NBA, and now they're playing significant minutes for their team. I think BJ Boston already has the talent. He just needs to, you know, become more of a complete player and put it all together but he has the potential and he has the talent it also reminds me a lot what Michael Porter Jr. was going into the NBA off that injury where people had question marks about him there's going to be question marks about BJ Boston but the potential the high ceiling and the talent is there and that's why I'm going with BJ Boston because a lot of people want to compare him to anyone that is tall and skinny that can shoot and drive to the rim but BJ Boston is a player in his own and he just needs to find his own and I think he can do that in the NBA I hope he gets drafted by a terrible team so he can really prove that and Jack you're right maybe get a start to push his confidence forward
That's episode 13 of the Sided Podcast. What a good time as we're 13 episodes through. It's crazy to even think about Jacob Polachek, Jack Pilgrim. Thanks for coming on today. How was it? Getting debating. Loved it. It was a great time. Well, I know, Jack, we'd love to have you on again. And Jacob, we're always going to see you in and around this podcast scene. (laughs) Um, So, you know, go on our website, Sided.co, as well as our Sided Debates app. Make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel. We post almost every single day. Comment down below if you have any suggestions on how we can improve or if you just want to give your take on one of the sides. But if you really want to give your take and join the conversation, go to our website and our app. And if you're listening on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from, thank you. Go to our YouTube channel as well. Support us there. Go decided. It's a lot of fun to get debating. And you don't have to wait much longer to hear our voices again. We'll catch you next time.